Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> I think that was the name of a song, uh, a popular song maybe about uh, 20 years ago, several decades ago, uh, maybe even longer. I lose track of time. Uh, but it seems to have much relevance in uh, not only today's world, but obviously <laughs> even back then. Although I'm not entirely certain the circumstances uh, to which the song is directed or lyrics written uh, <laughs> is comparable to what we're going to talk about on today's podcast. But it does seem to be a very important question because regardless who you are, there is, as the uh, book of Ecclesiastes would say, a season to everything, a beginning and an end. And even with Jesus Christ, as with word, he is the alpha, which is the beginning, and the omega. Now, you may argue that those two things really can't be separated, that they somehow seamlessly join together, that life is circuitous. Uh, in that it does not really begin or end, that even it's the human dimension uh, that necessitates not only a beginning and ending, but all time and space. <laughs> and that's possibly true, all of those things. However, because we are humans and we operate within time and space, the word was translated. We define things as gift of God within dimension of time. And where there's time, there's a start and a stop. Ask anybody who's run a race and otherwise ran the race not just to win, uh, but part of the winning was to either record the fastest time, to complete it in the shortest period or interval of time. They will tell you. <laughs> If you miss the starting gun, you're in trouble. But at the same time, if you stay longer than you should, if you delay your departure, you can miss your flight. No pun intended. One day Jesus will return and we will be caught up with him in the air and uh, <laughs> signify the end of time. However, why that seems even more critical than or significant than to us today than ever before is because it does seem like time is coming to an end. The Word of God says that, that there is, even with Genesis to the book of Revelation, there is a period, and the book of Revelation, Genesis is the beginning, the book of Revelation identifies not only the end of time and space as we would know it humanly, but with that also foretells of the signs of the times. Now you could say, okay, <laughs> stop right there. Or you might want to say, okay, let's go. Uh, the stopping part would be if anyone has ever read the book of Revelation, if anyone more than just simply reading has been taught from the book of Revelation, 
If anyone has read something of an interpretation of not only the book of Revelation, but the signs of the times, that signals then the end time, which is the great celebration of the second coming of Jesus Christ, probably more so for those who know the Lord Jesus than those who don't. They will know. They already know. It's confusing. But maybe that's the good news in the confusion. Anytime that one gets an opportunity to see it from a different perspective or to learn a bit more about it, it's welcomed because there's a lot of confusion. Just make sure, make certain or sure that the source is credible. <laughs> I think I'm fairly credible, but I don't know that I'm a Bible scholar. So when it comes to theology, in particular denominational sort of persuasions, I wouldn't confess that. So fortunately, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, I'll dispense with that from the very beginning. I will probably offer some doctrine. You may even recognize it to be of this persuasion or that persuasion when it comes to not only doctrine but denomination. But I promise you, my best effort here is not to get doctrinal or denominational. Well, I do want to become, I do want to be somewhat doctrinal. But I don't know that I want to become denominational. I just want to find some way to practically apply the book of Revelation more so than just waiting for Jesus to come. Again, I, I say his second coming. I say that that is the great celebration. So that doesn't, I didn't say it in that way or do not say that in a manner that would diminish Christ's second coming. It's what I live for. It's what all time and space was constructed for. Not only the advent of Christ, but the second coming of Jesus Christ. What I really would want to do, though, is rather than only focus upon, well, when Jesus comes again, or, oh, it's got to be the end of times. Uh, look at the signs. And truthfully, I've heard that throughout my whole life, decades, not necessarily generations, but I suspect that even as the word would say, back in Jesus's time, immediate to his departure, his ascension into heaven after his crucifixion upon the cross and his resurrection, they were already anticipating his second coming. Actually, Jesus himself said that would happen. And I do believe that's taken place already in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but I also believe in a physical, literal second coming. So when I try to interpret time and space, should I stay, should I go, Genesis to Revelation, Alpha to Omega, beginning to the end, I want to do it within the context of my expertise, which is living in the moment. I'm a master, supposedly so, purportedly so. I'm a master of knowledge when it comes to human behavior. Actually, I'm a doctorate of knowledge when it comes to Christian counseling and psychological services, counseling psychology. That means I know pretty well most of what there is to know about human function. 
And this is the truth about human function. We are terrible at discerning the signs of times, not only in spiritual dimensions, but in very practical, pragmatic dimensions. We ask ourselves the same question, not about all of humanity or all of humankind or all of time and space generationally from the beginning to the end, but even within not only our own individual time on this earth, but all those moments that make up time. People struggle with knowing when it's time to say goodbye. So much so that people will remain in situations and circumstances that are obviously not only very difficult to carry or bear, but can ultimately have an element of destruction attached to them. Yes, we are to carry our cross, bear our cross. Yes, that's part of our individual humanity, my opinion, when Jesus says that. Take up my cross and follow after him. But it's also not only for my own iniquity and sin, but it's so that I might help others. But what good am I if I'm a quitter? If I just say, well, we've crossed that line and I got to be on my way. There has to be some level of investment. But how much is enough and how much is too much? And of course, there's probably all sorts of humanistic, empirical, evidence-based sort of strategies, research done, uh, and those are all worthwhile and uh, of that, in that same way, noteworthy, which I'm doing right now. I'm noting them. But within the scope of the podcast, and just to try to keep this very practical, pragmatic, but more than anything relevant, when you start to... See the mess? It's about time to leave. When you begin to realize the mess is not caused by you, but all those people around you that are not doing what they're supposed to do. Now, that may sound a bit self-righteous, and in that probably there have been people who have been somewhat self-righteous. Well, look at me, Pharisee among Pharisees. I am perfect. I do the law. I do everything I'm supposed to do. But even so, that really isn't what we're talking about. Because if that's what we're talking about, then we certainly could ask others to be as good as us, if I could say it that way. And even if they're trying real hard, they may or may not be able to be as good as us. <laughs> At the same time, how good is our good? Because in and of ourselves, we can't save ourselves. In and of ourselves, if we were all that good, then the world would be not only a much better place, but a perfect place. Why? Because we'd make it that much better. We'd fix it. But that's the point. Nobody can fix it except Jesus Christ, who is, again, the Alpha and the Omega. When we begin to realize, though, as much we would then attempt out of our best efforts, and more so out of our best motives, not to validate ourselves, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God and how so to emulate Christ, to be Christ-like, to give him the glory, to give him the credit, to humble ourselves, 
to not make others serve us, but for us to serve them. That's part of, I don't want to say it's the entirety of the good motive, but I think that's pretty sound biblically. But when we follow the Old Testament, it's not to exalt us. It's so that we might otherwise exalt God. Yeah, exalting God does exalt us because if we're aligned with God's will and purpose and his plan, which again is sort of in the ballpark of what I just got through saying, then we can enjoy that. And if we do that right, we're going to look like Jesus because that's really what Jesus is. He is the word brought to living word. He is the best motive of any human dimension or in any human dimension to serve not only God, but others to be the suffering servant. But when we know that's not the motive, when we know it is the work of the adversary of the devil, then it's okay to say, I want this fixed. How much longer am I going to have to hang out with you? Again, even Jesus says that in the gospel. Gospels. The disciples he picked, they weren't perfect. And should I say it too casually? Too, I don't know, earthy. He probably got tired of them on occasions. Doesn't mean he quit, but he did go. That's important. Because it's not about necessarily just should I stay, should I go. It's about the effort. It's about the will. It's about the desire. And it has to be seen within the broadest of contexts. We should never abandon anyone who's trying, even if they get on our last nerve. We should never think ourselves so much better that we can't help others, lest we would find ourselves glorifying ourselves, lest we find ourselves short on the proper motive, not wanting to serve, not wanting to help, not wanting to assist. And again, I can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. But the Holy Spirit that abides within me gives me a word, and fortunately so, actions that communicate God's love. And if I allow myself to be such, Jesus lives in me and through me to the end of working the same work of salvation. Though he's not here in physical dimension, he must needs go to prepare a place for them, us, the disciples, us, those who believe in Jesus, those who do, do these things, uh, have these heart, this mind, this heart to love God, <laughs> all thy mind, heart, soul, and spirit, and to love others as you love yourself. Christ goes to prepare a place for us. He doesn't abandon us. That's the whole point of the book of Revelation. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. But he's not going to come back and marry somebody who's not done any work along the way. I know it's by grace you're saved, not of yourself. It's through the love of God in Christ Jesus. But you have to bring your humanity into proper alignment with the mind and the will of God. But if you do that, 
Then when he comes back, regardless of where you've gotten to, in a material sort of way, he loves you. You can abide with him in heaven. He will bring you not only unto, but into the Father. Now, Jesus has already come again, as in spirit. He left his Holy Spirit. That was also what he explained to the disciples as they were taking that final Last Supper together when he's explaining, and I think the book of John captures it best, all that was to happen, not only within the context of Jesus's mortality, the life he had, mortality being that he would be crucified and died in his human nature, but after that, which is what we're living in today. But Jesus went away to prepare a place for us spiritually because he left his spirit also with us while we're still in our mortality. We now, as accepting Jesus and Lord and Savior, have our spirits quickened, brought back to life in Jesus Christ. Now, if, if any of you, again, have attempted to study the Word of God or just open your ears and listen as much your minds to receive, committed your will to be receptive even to the testimony, people just talking about Jesus. When you get the power to overcome the grave, the mortality, the human nature, you got all power. And that's what Jesus gave us, gives us, when we accept him as Lord and Savior, gave us before he, his final ascension, or as with the day of Pentecost, after he ascended, the Holy Spirit, as Jesus, I think it was before, I think that they were receiving it, didn't even know it. I think they really never lost it, truthfully. I think the Holy Spirit was always there, but humanity had become incredibly blind to it. And in our blindness, God, through our will, desire to have our hearts hardened, God granted us our will. He didn't take that will or that choice away from us. If you want to harden your heart to the message of love, go right ahead. It grieves God. It's not what you're intentioned for. God gets his spirit back, but that part of you that you've walled off, your humanity, your human mortal soul, it's got no place to go to. It's hell on earth and will be eventually hell after earth. But to get back to the point, he's given us his spirit that is the power to overcome our humanity and the grave in the love of God as manifest Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the fruit of God's love. God's love, fruit being the manifestation of God's love in human terms. And it's comprehensive, it's full, it's perfect, it's complete. God never abandons us. The devil would convince you of that. But if you're encountering somebody whose heart is already hardened, if they've gone the way of the devil, if they're worshiping after their father, the devil, Satan, then what you've got is you've got a person that's not going to receive it. They've blasphemed the Holy Ghost, which would be the spirit of love. They've overridden They've shut off, they've closed the door, they've locked it, 
They've locked their mind. The stronghold has been constructed, erected, because they have chosen. Everybody gets a choice. We're all born into sin. There's iniquity in all of us. That is true. We all then need salvation in Jesus Christ. But everybody, every soul has made or will one day make or is offered an opportunity to make a choice to accept this good news message of Jesus Christ. Give it all you have. Stay. Work. Invest. Serve. And along the way, you're going to do a lot of turn the other cheek. Give them more than they ask for. Give them your coat. Feed them. But if they don't try, if their heart's hardened, if they aren't willing to carry their cross or bear their cross in Jesus Christ, if they don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's not going to save them. So you can stay with them if you want. You can continue to invest if you want. But you're not going to change them except that they would make the choice to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's in them to do that. That's what I'm trying to say. The Holy Spirit is working on God's behalf, on their behalf, to reconcile that relationship in Jesus Christ as with Jesus Christ, as emulating Jesus Christ, as becoming the embodiment of Jesus Christ in this world. They, too, are called to be a servant. But that's not how it's going to happen if they choose to reject the gospel, the offering. And in that, you should expect they're going to reject you. Now, you're going to get persecuted then along the way. You may even be crucified. You can bear your cross. Maybe you carry it around so they'll put you on it one day. But if you get a chance to do that first, as with accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and saying, I don't want my humanity if it means that I'm not going to know you, Jesus, and God's love and not enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, which is the kingdom of heaven now and God and heaven now as much as in the hereafter, the first installment, so to speak, while we still await for the removal of all the obstacle or the interference or the corruption which is in our flesh, okay, <laughs> then you can do that. You can stay, you can be miserable, you can fight, uh, and there's always going to be a fight of faith. There's always going to be ministry. There's always going to be someone lost that needs the word until Jesus comes. And with that, then, even those that know Jesus that are going to need to be encouraged, and you're going to still struggle with them. But there's no reason if the determination has been made that the person that you're speaking to has blasphemed the Holy Ghost, don't stay. You're not bound. If it's the synagogue of Satan, don't go worship there. I don't know where that came from. It was biblical, but I'm not sure what that's headed toward. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. But we are in this world as much, though, not of this world. And to that end, how do you know whether they're going to be saved? 
really, the short version of this is, go preach the word. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Go into the cities, into the countryside, preaching the gospel. Go ahead and knock on doors, say hi in the, in the courtyards, in the center of the city, in the byways, in the highways, in the fields. And if they invite you to come have dinner, lunch, whatever with them, go. But carry the message of Christ. If they receive you, then abide with them. You can go right in their house. You can hang out with them. They'll be hungry. They'll be interested. The Holy Spirit will bear witness. Actually, I would tend to believe the Holy Spirit will already have prepared a place for you. But he does that for everyone. It's just at some point, there is that place where you harden your heart. You sear your conscience if you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And some will do that. How many? The book of Revelation seems to suggest more than less. That's the sign of the times. It's a hardened heart. Yeah, there'll be all kinds of other signs. There'll be physical dimension, the earthquakes, uh, just all sorts of physical signs about the earth and the natural and such that will go along with that. There'll be a lot of people, I suspect. <laughs> and there'll be fighting and wars and rumors of wars and stars falling down and just all kinds of things. Even some monsters. But at the same time, the most obvious sign is the hardened heart. It's the way God separates the sheep from the goats. It's in the book of Revelation too. But when it comes to that point where they say, uh-uh, <laughs> you, you're one of those crazy Christians. That doesn't work. Oh, you're prejudiced, you're biased, you're a racist, you're whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, it's been easy for you. You got all this stuff and privilege on the front end. It's been, oh, so hard for me. You and your forebearers were the ones that persecuted me and my forefathers and mothers and whatever, whatever. And they say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You really should take that as a sign. It's okay to leave. Shake the dust off your sandals. You've delivered the word, Ezekiel. They've rejected you. Now, should you leave justified? Ah, maybe. But that probably shouldn't be your first thought or your first will or desire, your heart's will or desire. Uh, does it grieve you? Yes, it's sorrowful. It's sad. Do you feel sorry because they're going to go to hell? Uh, yeah, especially if you truly identify with them even as Jesus identifies with us, and in that we find the ability to identify with him. He loves us so much because we're just like him as God created us in his own image, but sin has defiled us. It's sort of like looking at somebody and still being able to see the child and the innocence that's there underneath of all the stuff that's happened since they were a child. That's worn them out. You can see it on their face, in their eyes, their body. It's decrepit. These are signs of the times. 
there are signs of the times in the book of Revelation because that's what the whole human experience is going to look like. But there are also more relevance in the fact that we can see them now. That's all the book of Revelation is talking about. John was going through a litany, if that's the right word, of events, some of which had happened, some of which were to happen, but they're all coming together in this realization. (laughs) This is the result of iniquity and sin. The devil takes over, and then in that, the world, in that, the Christians will eventually shake the dust off their sandals. Jesus will come again a second time. We will be called up in the air. We will be called home to be with him. And then, and then the devil will destroy himself. The evil will destroy itself. That's also a pretty important message. Well, how could God let that happen? If God loves everybody, God didn't make that happen. His will, again, would not be that any should perish, but all should have eternal life. If we were all like Jesus, we'd be in heaven. It'd be perfect. There'd be heaven on earth. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) That's what the book of Revelation is about. Yes. I don't want to take anything away from the suffering because it is suffering. And I don't want to take anything away from the fact there's judgment because it is about judgment. But it's not on the Christian. If you've done the best you can to serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you picked up your cross and you followed after him, and you love others as you love yourself, you're okay. And in the same sort of a way as when Jesus comes again, right now there's separation of sheep and goats. It's happening. Whether it's the end time, I don't know. Could be the end time, I don't know. Again, I've already told you I'm not a theologian. I've read the Bible. I've studied the Bible. I should say it this way. My doctorate is not in theology. My doctorate is in counseling psychology, (laughs) but I am a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and he's given me the gifting, the talent to translate these things that are otherwise in our flesh seemingly intimidating about God, the horrible, the terrible, that's the word that the King James used, the terrible nature of God's wrath and scares us to death. That's what the devil did, though. He scared Adam and Eve to death. God does not want to destroy you. He loves you. He sent his only begotten son to save us all, you included. And he's given us his Holy Spirit, not only as a sign that he loves us, not only as a way that otherwise we can love him in his love for us. We love because he first loved, but we can love one another. And in some ways, it's a bubble. We can be insulated. There's a hedge of protection. When they talk about living in a bubble, though, where you're not applying it in a very realistic or tangible way to reality, that's not the kind of bubble we want to live in. Because God's love overcomes our humanity and the suffering and what humans and with the devil's help, will make of this world, which will be a monumental mess. And that is putting it lightly. But what God says is, I'll protect you. 
I will resurrect you. I will comfort you. I will give you word to encourage you. I will give you word to guide you. I will send you prophets. Uh, Jesus Christ is spirit of prophecy. All of us are prophetic in that sense that we have Jesus inside of us. The Holy Spirit is really the spirit of prophecy as he is the spirit of God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I know it sounds doctrinal, but I just want to say it's all one and the same. You are a prophet. What are you prophesying? (laughs) What will happen? What happens? Even Christians in a material dimension are going to die. But it's only bodily. And we're going to suffer some things along the way that seem like that, but it's not our demise. It's our resurrection. It's the release in that, in that reality. We are otherwise not only comforted by the Holy Spirit, but we are translated, and in that we see the transfiguration, the same mount of transfiguration that Peter, James, and John encountered When they were up there with Moses and Elijah and Jesus, we will be transfigured. How quick. In the twinkling of an eye. Whoa. All of that. You won't feel it, folks. A moment. It's but a moment. It's just a scratch. Oh, it hurt for a moment. But wow. The moment's over because as soon as there is a pain, as soon as there's a need, even in a material dimension, God's immediately there fixing it. It's those folks that reject it. It's not only message, which I'm trying to bring today, but the actual action, the Holy Spirit, who is in that, our healing, our ministry. God takes care of us. And now I'm speaking not only physically, don't worry what you're going to wear, don't worry what you're going to eat, God will take care of you. I'm talking about more so even spiritually. He takes your broken and decrepit spirit of mortality, your soul, mortal soul. He says, wait a minute, it just needs some cleaning up. And the word sanctifies. The Holy Spirit sanctifies with the shining of the sun. Jesus is as, as with light, brightness. I don't know. I, I think as much as I can recall how it was explained on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was just white. And then they had to come back to humanity. That was probably the greatest pain for them. They had to come back. They had to come back. Oh, wasn't Peter right? We should just build tabernacles here for all of you. (laughs) Moses, Elijah, Jesus, we'll just hang out up here. Why do we got to come back? Well, we've got to come back at least in a material way within the context of time and space, within the beginning and the ending of our life where we are right now because probably most folks I'm talking to are alive right now, I would hope. But we've got to live our life. That's the relevance. You can be scared of all of this. You can look at that and say, oh, my goodness. 
God, why? Why, why, why do we have to go see this? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, no, it's, it's epidemics and pandemics. And, and oh, no, it's, it's the world order. And, oh, no, uh, the abomination of desolation. And there's a certain element of respect. But my word of comfort and encouragement here is you're going to overcome that. Yes, it will hurt us. But we're going to overcome that. Don't be scared of the devil. Don't be scared of Satan. Don't be afraid of the synagogue of Satan, the body that otherwise represents the Antichrist or the artificial. And when the day comes, even the book of Revelation says God shortens the suffering. It's the way God is. He's merciful. He's gracious. He loves you. (laughs) Thank God he loves us. Praise Jesus that he's Lord and Savior. Praise Jesus that he bears, carries, carried this cross in a literal, physical way that he's asking us to. But he carried it so that we might carry it for the same intent and purpose. Folks, it's part of the journey. But we're more than overcomers. In Christ Jesus. Now, I know that sounded somewhat doctrinal, I'm sure, to some. I'm sure there's some that say, wait a minute, that's not really what we believe. I apologize. I, again, third time, I'm not going to say it again. I'm not, my doctorate is not in theology. I do not have a PhD. I have a doctorate in ministry, which is the, <laughs> get this, the application of all that word. That's what I do. I apply it. But even so, I think the message is not only sound, but resounding. You are Christ in this world right now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to be brave. Put on the armor of God, even as, again, Jesus sent his disciples out to minister. Don't take anything with you. Don't worry about that. Don't take money. Don't worry about that. Be about the work of the Father. Because maybe it is tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe in my lifetime, maybe in your lifetime, that Jesus comes again. But it's the same now as it will be then. We just need to realize there is no such thing as time and space. It's all about the work of God. It's all about the message of Christ. It's all about allowing the Holy Spirit to give us the power that Jesus says he will in accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and the calling on your life. You are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a calling. What a privilege. So, should you be interested, for whatever reason, in reaching out, please do so. I post the email address, uh, not only on the, uh, I guess, the title page to the podcast on the web, uh, but you can find us on the web in plenty enough places. You can just email us. Uh, You can also join us on the next podcast. Uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity to be able to bring these to you, these podcasts, and uh, hope that you get as much from them as well.
In the meantime, I want to wish you the best in the name of Jesus. And uh, with that, I hope to uh, you come and join me again next time on What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. God bless.